0: The title of tonight's teaching is, You Are a Child of God. We're talking about identity and the importance of knowing your true identity to receive your destiny, including healing. Healing is part of your destiny with Jesus. Healing has been purchased. It's already done. It's already yours as a child of God. But if you don't know your identity, it can keep you from... Or it can hinder, I guess. It can hinder your faith. It can hinder your, your, um, your belief that that's for you. It's not just for the next person. It's for you too. So over the next few weeks, we're going to share different pieces of your identity. And we're going to talk today about the family that you belong to. The family that I belong to. We're going to talk about our really good father... And how we just were blessed to be part of that family. And not just part of the family of God, but chosen by God. Adopted by God. So, the first scripture I want to read is John 1, verse 12 and 13. It talks about being reborn. But to all who believed him and accepted him, it's talking about Jesus, To all who believed and accepted Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God, children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So we are going to compare and contrast today um, natural birth, physical birth, and spiritual birth or rebirth. And this particular scripture talks about being reborn. I remember before um, I was reborn, when people would talk about being reborn or saved, the offense, the hair on my neck would just raise up. Like, what do you mean, be reborn? Of course I'm reborn. Of course I'm saved. I had no idea that that was in the Bible. I didn't know it talked about being reborn in the Bible. It talks about being reborn all over the place. And it says in this scripture that the path, the avenue, the way to be reborn is believing and accepting Jesus. And that as we do, we're given the right. We're going to talk about the legal right. We're going to talk about the legal part of our rebirth. We're given the right to become children of God. And then it it says it's not this physical birth. But it's a spiritual birth that comes from God. The next scripture I want to share goes a little bit further. It doesn't just talk about being in the family of God through this spiritual rebirth, it talks about how we got there through adoption. So this is Romans 8, verse 15 through 16. This is from the Passion Translation. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're God's children. So with our natural birth, the the man and the woman their they're, um, seeds joined together and a baby's conceived. That's a natural birth. That's enough information. This isn't sex ed class. In spiritual birth, God's seed, God's spirit joins with ours. And when we are joined together at that new birth, that's when we become the children of God. But this scripture says that he adopted us he adopted us so I was doing some studying and some reading from some some different teachers about adoption and this is what one of them said and I've just been thinking about this a lot this week this teacher said and I don't even remember exactly because it wasn't a teacher I usually listen to or read he said God didn't have to use the concept of adoption to explain how he saved us or even how we became a part of his family He could have just said we're saved or we're reborn or we are children in his family, but he he went beyond that. There are at least three scriptures that I'm aware of where it says he adopted us. So the question is why? Why does he use that that terminology, adoption? That's what we're going to explore today. We're going to explore five really amazing truths about adoption, being adopted into the family of God. So I'm going to share these five truths, and then we have a really special gift. I'm going to just tell you ahead of time what we're going to, what the plan is. Um, we have one of our ministry team members, Jen and Joe, who have adopted. They have three adopted sons, and I talked to them this week because as I was just reading and learning about these beautiful truths about our adoption as children of God and what that means for our identity, I just kept going back and forth between natural adoption in the world what that looks like, and this spiritual adoption, because there are amazing parallels. And sometimes in the spiritual realm, it helps to have something you can see, feel, touch, and live in the natural realm, and it helps you to know the truth in the spiritual realm. So we're going to connect them together. So here's the first awesome truth. Adoption is costly. Adoption is costly. In Galatians 4, verse 4 and 5, from the Passion. But when that era came to an end, and the time of fulfillment had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the written law. Yet all of this was so that he would redeem us and set us free, and set free all those who were held hostage to the written law. So that we, he, so that we would receive our freedom and a full legal adoption as his children. So this scripture says that God had a plan. He had this amazing plan, and the, when it's talking about the era that was coming to the end, it was the era of the old covenant of law, and he was he had a plan. We're going to go later and show you that we the adoption was part of that plan. But as he made that plan, he redeemed us. He had to pay a price for that to happen. That's what the word redeem means. The word redeem literally means to set free by paying a price. Jesus redeemed us. He set us free by paying a price. Another word that's a uh, one that helps me to understand what that word is is ransom. He paid a ransom for us. And what did that buy us? It bought us freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from the bondage of the law. Freedom from all the effects that was part of the old old covenant. Sin, the curse, all of the sickness and all the stuff that was under the law. We have been set free. And it also purchased a full legal adoption for us into the family of God. So the question is, uh, the the. The truth is that adoption is costly. So, what did it cost? What did it cost? What, did, what was the payment? Yes. Jesus, or God, paid for our redemption through the life of his son. And Jesus paid for our redemption through his own life. That's just overwhelming if we take a minute to meditate on that the the most amazing gift we could ever receive god paid for with the life of his very son it's i've heard it said that you can see or you can know the value of something by what one is willing to pay That's how much God values us, each one of us. He was willing to pay the price of his son. Jesus was willing to die for us, and it wasn't an easy death. We know that. He was willing to do it all, take the stripes, take the, the ridicule, take the being spat upon and the slapped and, the, and, the, and the, everything that he went through. Last year we went to Israel. Kathy was there with me. And one of the most disturbing things that I saw was the night that Jesus was taken from the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was taken to the house of Caiaphas. We went to that house. It's where um, Peter denied Jesus outside in the courtyard. But in that house, in the basement, in the dungeon, we saw where Jesus was tied up and beaten and we literally, there was a hole where they lowered him when he spent the night, not when he was being beaten but we saw that, but then there was also this place where he spent the night and he was lowered through this hole, the hole was there they have since built a way to get down besides the hole and we were down in that place where Jesus spent that night that's what he paid for us It's just amazing. Adoption is costly. Galatians 3.13 says, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it's written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. So not only did Jesus pay for our sin... He took all of our sin into his body on the tree. That's 1 Peter 2:24. He took the sin, our sin, all of our sin, so that we could be dead unto sin and alive unto righteousness. By his stripes we were healed. That's all part of the amazing, precious gift that Jesus paid for. But there's more. He also defeated the curse. Sin came with a curse. That's the old covenant. There were curses for sin and there were blessings for obedience. But Jesus defeated the curse because he defeated sin. We talked about that last week. We are forgiven. We are righteous and we are worthy. That's a powerful, important teaching. Please go back and listen to it if you weren't able to be here last week. But Jesus defeated the curse too with his death. So that's the first amazing truth. These truths are things we just need to just take time to feed our soul with, because it's gonna change our perspective. Here's the second one. This is the legal part of our adoption. We were moved from slavery to sons, from slavery to sonship or daughtership. We're no longer slaves. We were slaves, we were in bondage to the law. We were in bondage to all of the stuff in the Old Covenant. But we've been transferred. (laughs) We've been transferred out of darkness and into the light. Okay, let's look at what the scripture says. Same scripture, but now we're looking at the New Living Translation. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. So that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we're his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now, you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Is that good news? So I'm going to be taking different pieces of the scripture as I go through the five special truths. But the one I want to talk about right now is, the, is verse 7 where it says, You're no longer a slave, but you're a son. In the day that Jesus lived, in the culture of the day, it was called the Hellenistic Age. During that age, adoption was pretty um, um, familiar so if there was a man, a, a family, that weren't able to um, have children of their own, they would adopt a slave, and the slave would become a son with all of the rights of a son. If you remember back in um, the Old Testament in some of the, the uh, I don't know which books, some of the books that are hard to read, <laughs> Leviticus, I don't know where. But it talks about if you can't pay your, your debt, you can, you can be a slave until you pay off your debt. Well, if a, if a wealthy man decided to adopt that son, all debts were off. They were moved out of one family and into another. The name of the, the Greek word for the uh, word adoption, it's in the, the New Testament several times. And the Greek word is huiathosia. I practice that. sia. And this is what it means. It literally means to place one as a son. Think about that for you and for me. We were taken out of one place, and we were literally picked up, and we were placed in God's family as a son or as a daughter. Hwiathesia speaks of being placed in a position of a son or a daughter who now possesses the same rights as a parent's natural children. It means to formally and legally declare that someone who is not one's own child is henceforth to be treated and cared for as one's own child, including complete rights of inheritance. So there are three things I want to share about the legal part of being adopted into God's family. And I'm going to show you how in the culture of the day, this is what happened and how as believers, the same thing has happened spiritually in us. So here's the first one. When that slave was adopted into the the wealthy man's home or family, it brought about a total break with his own family and a new family with all of its rights, privileges, and responsibilities. So the adopted person lost all rights in his old family, and he gained all the rights of a fully legitimate son or daughter in the new family. Legitimately. He was transferred out of one and into the other. There's a scripture, John eight forty four, 44, that says, For you are the children of your father, the devil we were taken out of that family. When we were transferred from darkness, under the dominion of darkness and the enemy, at our new birth, we were transferred out of darkness and into the light. We were taken out of that family and we were placed in God's family with every right that God has for us. Every privilege, every right, every responsibility. But I want to go even a little further than that. That's all in the spiritual realm. But in the natural realm, I have talked to so very many people who have grown up in families where they've had really deep wounds from their parents or from situations in life, father wounds, mother wounds, stuff that they have lived. It's been their experience from childhood on. Or maybe maybe there was a, a very serious... Um, issue in their um, teenage years or in their young adult years or even currently, but whatever those wounds are they 're very real they 're living them or they have lived them. But what this, what this says, what this means is that you have a new father. You have every right, every bit of inheritance, every bit of blessing that the next person has who hasn't had all of that residue in their past. I'm really, 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 really blessed because I have an amazing mom and dad and family. So does Kent. So we haven't experienced the woundedness. A lot of people have. But the bottom line is we have a new life. We've been redeemed from the old. That... So many people carry as a, a ball and chain their past, their old identity, whatever that, that hurt or that deep wound was. When you've been redeemed, and you've been taken out of that old family, and you have put, been put in a new family completely, the old is severed, the old is no longer you. There's a beautiful scripture that says, that's your past, don't look back, look ahead, this is your future. That was a big paraphrase, <laughs> but you, you, Kathy, that's Philippians 3 13, 3, 13, and 14. She's the one that ministers with me a lot. And I can never remember the address to that one. <laughs> Philippians 3, 13, and 14, if you want to go there. So that's the first amazing truth about the legal part of our adoption. Here's the second one. The adopted sons became an heir to the new father's estate no matter how many other kids there were, no matter how many kids came afterwards, that adopted slave was a co-heir, equal, not lesser, was an equal co-heir with every other child if that, if that person had other children. And that's what we are. Romans 8.17 And since we are his true children we qualify to share all his treasures including healing. For indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him provided we accept his sufferings as our own. So we are co-heirs With Christ. That's huge. We have this amazing benefit package. I taught several weeks ago on um, Psalm 103, verses one through five. The amazing benefits every sin forgiven, every disease healed, redeemed from the pit, redeemed from destruction, crowned with loving kindness and tender mercies, youth renewed, all sorts of benefits, and that's only a few of them. We have been forgiven, we have been healed. We have been provided for. We have every piece of the inheritance. God is this amazing father who wants us to have the best of everything. But it's up to us to know that's ours, to know that's our inheritance. If you have an inheritance and you don't know about it, it's not going to do you any good. We need to access it, receive this precious gift. So that's the second Part, the legal part We have an inheritance Healing is part of that inheritance Here's the third one That old life was completely erased That, that slave That was adopted into the wealthy man's family All the debt Everything that he had That was on his, his list of things that he owed Was cancelled Was cancelled out Legally All debt Was completely removed Um The adopted son was regarded by the law as a new person. And that's the same with us. In like manner, we, as adopted children of God, the past is gone. We are forgiven. We are free of guilt. Remember the the scripture that said that we have been free, we've been liberated. We're free from guilt. We're free from sin. We're free from the effects of sin, from the penalty of sin. We're free from all the residue We're free from the woundedness, but we have to accept it. We have to know that, and then we have to accept it and receive it. That's why this identity teaching is so powerful. We need to start feeding on who we are and let our hearts be renewed with who we are. Ephesians 1, verse 5 through 7. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for his beloved son, Jesus, he has for us. Let that sink in for a minute. The same love that Abba has for his beloved son, Jesus, he has for us. You and me. We're his beloved daughters and his beloved sons. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Since we are now joined to Christ, we've been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. That's ours. That's our identity. I'm going to tell you right now two pieces of testimony of people who have chosen to receive their identity in Christ. The first one is a man who spoke at our church last week. His name's Blaine Bartell. Never met him before Sunday. This man, a very short version of his story, is that he was a very successful pastor. He had a successful church growing, expanding, everything was going well. But he had a a hidden sin, a sexual sin, and it was exposed. And when it was exposed, his life fell apart, completely fell apart. He lost his marriage, he lost his church, he lost all sorts of stuff. In the middle of that season, he was going to a 12-step program, like an addiction kind of program. And they were required, as part of the 12-step program, to check in Like this. They would all get together and each person, one at a time, would say their name and then they would tell what they were addicted to. So Blaine Bartell would say, was required to say, Hello, my name is Blaine Bartell and I'm a sex addict. This man, however, that wasn't his identity because he was a son of God. One day he was driving to that meeting. And God spoke to him on the way to that meeting and said, don't check in that way. That's not your identity. When he went in that day and he got ready to do his required check-in, he said something like this. He said, hello, my name is Blaine Bartell, and I'm a beloved, adopted son of God. I'm an overcomer, and I have overcome sex addiction. That's not who I am anymore. I am forgiven, I am righteous. What a difference. He was telling his true identity. He was declaring his true identity. The sex addict part, that's not who he was. He was redeemed. He had been that that had been paid for 2020 years ago. That's not who he was. And he chose to declare his true identity. All the Blaine said that all of the people in that in that meeting were like, oh, boy, you're going to get in trouble. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. But the leader of that meeting spoke up and he said, that is the best check in I have ever heard. And it's true. And the thing is, many of us do the same thing that we, that those um, addiction groups require you to do. We carry around a label that says this is who I am. When that's a lie, that's not your true identity as a son or a daughter of God. The second small testimony I want to share is a woman I talked to yesterday. I met this woman a few weeks ago at one of a, a meeting that I was speaking at, and she just really impacted me. She's been um, diagnosed and has been fighting a disease called scleroderma for quite a while. And... Um, uh, I'm going to have, I'm inviting her to come in and share her testimony in a few weeks because it's amazing. And her testimony, the amazing part of her testimony is she knows her identity. She knows her true identity. So I was calling her yesterday to kind of talk with her again about this identity, beautiful not knowledge she has. And this is what she said to me. She said, scleroderma is not my identity. That's not who I am. The doctors may say that I have scleroderma, but I know that God's taking care of me, and according to his will, I'm healed. So here's this woman, and she'll share her story when she comes to to visit, but she's got a really bad diagnosis, and it's not all better. She's got lots of healing that has taken place, but she's got a lot that still needs to take place. But she glows, she doesn't have a, a, a countenance of sickness or, or desperation or discouragement. She stands tall, she smiles, and she says, That's not who I am. We have been removed. We're no longer a part of the old family. That's not our identity anymore. And our, how we see ourselves in our physical body is very important. We can do that too. And I want to just take a minute right now to to just practice that. So what we're going to do is we're going to say our name like Blaine did. We're going to say, I'm Cindy. I'm Cindy Cox. And then we're going to declare who we really are and who we are not. So I'm just going to get you going and then have you fill in the blanks. Okay? So this is what I want you to do. I want you to say, hello. My name is. And say your name. Now, whatever it is that you may be fighting, I want you to put that in the blank. It might be cancer. It might be a poor marriage. It might be depression. It might be anxiety. Put that in the blank. And I'm just going to say, I don't have anything right now that I'm fighting for. Thank you, Jesus. But if you were fighting cancer, say, cancer is not my identity. Say that. Say whatever it is. That is not my identity. Cancer is not who I am. Yeah, I am healed. I am whole. I am the daughter, the beloved daughter of God or son. That's who I am in Jesus' name. Cancer is not my identity, sickness is not my identity. That's not who I am. I was healed, I was made whole, I was filled with the joy of the Lord. I was filled with the promise. It's mine. I stand on it. Period. In Jesus' name. So we can just meditate on the truth of our identity. Now, if that feels like it's not true, do it more. Do it more. If it feels like it's not true, just keep feeding your soul, feeding your soul, feeding your soul with truth. Because if it doesn't feel true, that's an indicator that your mind isn't renewed to that truth. Okay, here's the next awesome truth about adoption. There's more than just the legal aspect. Way more. We have a very deep and spiritual bond with our father through adoption. God doesn't leave us in the same condition we were. Before adoption, He doesn't leave us with feelings of not being accepted or not being loved. Rather, he pours his spirit into our hearts to give us the experience of being embraced in his family. And I'm going to read the scripture that I've already read a couple times. I'm going to read it again. Galatians 4, 6. And because we are his children... God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. So just close your eyes for a minute. I'm going to speak this truth again. I just read it. The Bible is true. I'm going to speak it again. God has sent the spirit of his son into your heart. God has sent the spirit of Jesus into your heart. And because the spirit of Jesus is within you and within me, it prompts us to call out, as Jesus did, Abba, Father. The term Abba is what Jesus called his father. First of all, just the fact or the truth that Jesus called his God father was all new. In the Old Testament, the name father was never used for God. Jesus called him father, but he didn't just call him father. He called him Abba. Abba is a term of endearment. It's a very beautiful, intimate name. Personal. I don't call my dad father. I call him dad. This word Abba, the best translation is daddy or papa. It's a very special, intimate term with a lot of love in it because there was a lot of love between Jesus and his father. The same is true for us. Our Abba, our daddy, loves us as he loves Jesus. We read that a minute ago. He loves us that way. And it's, he wants us to respond to that love. But we need to know it. We need to, to have intimate knowledge of this love of God. It's another whole huge topic and teaching. But the, the, the piece that I just want to share today is that we were adopted, and it wasn't just a legal matter, there was heart. There was this beautiful heart of God. The next truth I want to share about is number four. Our adoption by God was seriously planned. It was his plan A. It wasn't second best. This plan to adopt us as his children was plan A. Ephesians 1.5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, we were reconciled to God through Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. is that awesome? He planned in advance. There was a need. There was... Oh, there's so much. There's so much. There was a need... For that barrier of sin to be removed so that we could be reconciled unto the Father. God knew that and he decided in advance he wanted to do that. He wanted us in the family. He wanted to adopt us. And it gave him great pleasure. Even though he had to pay a huge cost, it gave him great pleasure. And then the very next verse, verse 6. And I, I use the New King James because there was a specific word I wanted you to hear. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. We're not rejected. It doesn't matter what you've lived through in your past. It doesn't matter how many times you've been rejected by people or by parents or by husbands or wives or anything else. It doesn't matter because you are accepted by God. In his beloved, in Jesus, you are accepted. Hallelujah. Number five. Another special, beautiful truth about adoption, and that is that God adopted us from when we were a mess. He adopted us from a very bad situation. We were sinners. We were lost. I'm going to tell you about Cindy this much because I don't want to spend too much time. Cindy was in control, um, uh, big, steeped, In idolatry, when I say idolatry, I mean that everything in my life was above God, besides God. God was way down on my list. My priorities were whacked. I had a calloused heart in so many ways to so many sin, just world stuff. I was enmeshed with the world. I did things the world's way. And all of you could probably tell a story that was just like mine, and I could tell you a lot more dirt, but I'm not going to. That's who we were. We were a mess. But God adopted us from that very, very bad situation. You know, in this world, many times, and Jennifer and Joe are going to tell us some of this in a minute, but many times parents adopt kids that are in a very bad circumstance. And they are adopted into a very good family. And there is a huge difference between the the new family and where they came from. But God, our Father, crossed the greatest cultural barrier ever to redeem and adopt us. Because there was such a difference between God himself and us. Ephesians 2.3 says, The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children, subject to God's wrath like everyone else. That's who we were rebellious children. Romans 5 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We are adopted. We are the adopted children of God. God paid a huge price for us. It gave him great pleasure to adopt us. He adopted us when we were a mess because he wanted to. We've got the full inheritance. We got every legal aspect of adoption. We were taken out of the old family and put in the new fully, legitimately. And God did it with love, unspeakable. So I'm going to have Jen and Joe come up now. And they're going to share their story of their adoption of their boys. And, um, and, and it's just going to, you're going to see through a real-life situation just a snapshot of what Father God did for you and I. Come on up, guys. Do you need this? Yeah. <clears throat> it might take just a second to come on. <laughs> and you're going to have to pass it back and forth. Fun. Fun.
1: We good? Um, and, you know, since Cindy first talked to me about this, I've been really meditating on what, you know, the, the earthly adoption looks like in comparison to our father's adoption of us. And um, yeah. I've realized how many parallels there actually are. I never yeah. have thought that much about it. Uh, we adopted, louder, is this yes. better? yes. Okay. We adopted our three boys ten years ago, and they came from a pretty horrific background. Um, they were abused, neglected. They could tell you stories, and they did tell a lot of stories yeah. at the beginning. Um, and we had no idea what we were doing. And <laughs> one of the things that that God laid on my heart last night, I was praying about it. And you know, they do those commercials about there are no perfect parents, and um, for foster families and adopt families, and, and we did not foster. We went straight to adoption. We, I couldn't foster, because I might have to give them back. Um, but one of the, the scriptures that God really reminded me of last night was Matthew 7:11, 11 where um, as imperfect as we are, and yet we still want to give such good things to our kids, God wants to do even more. And I think as adoptive parents, we we were empty nesters. We had the house to ourselves. We had a really you know, easy life. And we decided to bring in three boys and turned our world upside down. Um, and we were blessed beyond words. And we just loved... We, we still love. We love what they've done to our lives. They love who they are and um, what what blessings they brought. And we fought tooth and nail for schooling, for all the things that you have to do. And for our kids, they were they were seven. Um, we have twins that are seven and a son who was 10 at the time. And they'd had a pretty horrific educational background um, during their time in foster care. They'd been in lots of different schools in inner-city Detroit, and they um, needed some catching up. And we had to fight for special services. We had to fight... And our, our twins are... Really bright, and they needed to be challenged, and we had to fight to get them into a gifted program. And again, I think about how our father fights for us. Amen. Um, and it's so much more than what we did. And I, I just am a little. It, it's just been kind of amazing to me. Um, and they, they have our identity. They have our last name. Their birth certificates. Um, I have birth certificates that say. Oh, look, we've got one up there. Um, it, it shows that I had them. I was never in that hospital. <laughs> and there's, yeah. their old identity is
0: completely gone. So if you look at that birth certificate, it's kind of hard to see up there, but it has all the data from their birth. So the date they were born, this is Michael's. I don't
1: have the weight.
0: <laughs> and um, all of that information. But when it says parents, it has Jen's and Joe's name. And their... Um, and their birthplace, and their birth dates. It doesn't have their birth parents. It has them. Their whole identity
1: is completely gone.
0: They are are Kirshner's.
1: Amen. Amen. And and they're quite proud of being Kirshner's. um, For a while, it was a hard adjustment to get used to changing their name and using a different last name. And I was telling Cindy, there was a time, not too long ago, they had to fill out something. I think they had to put in any aliases or previous last names, and they couldn't even remember how to spell their former last name. Wow! And, wow. and yeah. it just, it, it totally changed yeah. their world, and, and ours. Um, I don't, do you, wanna, uh, you want me to? Yeah. Would you, would you kind of share? One
0: okay, go ahead, Jeff. Um, you know, that
2: when we were thinking, before the whole process even started, and you wonder how God is involved in your life, and you wonder how these different portions of your life are woven in different places and time. You know, we both woke up, and we had, and God talked to us independently. He said, you know, I want you to adopt. Now, we thought he wanted us to adopt one girl, but (laughs) And, then, and I'm telling Jen this and she says I had, the same, I had the same word from God that I need you to, I want you to adopt. And so I'm, I'm of the mind, I, I'm kind of simple in this way. When God tells me to do something, I don't think about it, I just go for it. Awesome. And when Papa says do it, you just do it. Yeah. So that's how the whole thing starts and you just never know how these things interwind in your lives when God's He's totally in control of these things.
1: And we, we do have a, a biological daughter also. And, you know, as soon as we got the boys, our will changed. Our <laughs> kids all have equal division amongst them. Um, and, you know, and they are siblings. They do the sibling fight thing. And they do all the sibling, you know,
0: so rivalry. So they co-heirs. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and and yes. Cause, yes. cause trouble. Yep, they're yes. co-heirs. But they are all... Um, you know, our, our daughter was really excited to become a big sister, and she has fully embraced that. And so, again, I think, um, and they they because of their their childhood, they were secluded. They were not allowed to play with other kids. They were not allowed. They didn't see a lot of relatives. Um, they didn't have a whole lot of social interaction, and um, they were really excited about their big family. And, you know, they now, they do, they have a huge family, and they have friends and neighbors that looked out yeah. for them. Um, God put a lot of protection over them. There was some drama early on with the bio parents trying to find them. And talk about again, God protecting his kids. Yeah. He, um, we, we had police officer living across the street, a uh, reserve police officer, Caddy corner, a police officer next door, and they were all guarding our house pretty closely wow. and um, but yeah they they have become totally different yes. kids they the The kids who um, were were treated as second less than um in in school and in the community are. You know, our twins graduated in the top of our class. They're at Purdue University as engineer students. Hallelujah. And they have Hallelujah. just, yeah, and they, were, they, didn't, they weren't social kids. And they, um, they laugh. we tease them because they're now very social. But it took a while. But they once they really realized their identity and who they were and that their parents loved them and that their parents weren't going to embarrass them in public much, um, and
0: Much. <laughs> they,
1: and <laughs> We might a little but not in the way that they had been embarrassed in the past and once they really got that they became totally different kids and I think Jamie can probably attest to that too she's watched them yeah. grow
0: up And um, they Jennifer, are... can you share um, uh, about how their legacy I'm, I'm just looking at some things mm-hmm. we talked about about the, um, the... they're on your paper the drug and alcohol abuse and the new legacy and the, those three things.
1: Yeah. They, These are
0: powerful.
1: They, um, they did. They came from, you know, in addition to the abuse, there was drugs and alcohol in the home. Um, their father was on a lot of not allowed lists. He was restricted from going to school functions. He was restricted from a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I talk about talk about the embarrassment part. They were... Um, they, And it was a family history. There were generations yeah. of abuse and alcohol and drugs and yeah, physical abuse and but the alcohol abuse also. They were at a very early age left home alone while mom and dad went on drug runs. And um, and that legacy is gone. Yes. They're, they're yes. you know it, and it, it's just amazing. Again for them when I watched them at school and hanging out with their friends and stuff, they have a totally different yeah, a different identity. They're new new people and um, you know, Michael, yeah. um, our oldest, when he was in foster care, he got suspended from school every week. And um, I was, we had just connected with them and not we didn't have custody of them. And I would get called and I would drive down to Detroit and pick him up from school and bring him home for the day. And um, I was really kind of concerned about what we were getting ourselves into. And when, again, Michael got here and was part of our family and knew who he was, it, that stopped. We had no problems. We've never had a problem with him in school in that regard. Um, Hallelujah. They're just
0: they're, Their whole demeanor changed. And, um, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. And then will you tell about how they've taken on your traits? <laughs> uh, some of this is good and some of them might not be.
1: Um, <laughs> they, they have. They have really taken on a lot of, you know, we, and, and we joke about how many times people go, oh, I can see how much you resemble your mom or your dad. And, in fact, we had this at a college visit. Their, one of their close friends said, uh, said to the twins how much they look like me. And they said, no, we're adopted. And the friend didn't believe them. And, um, but they also have kind of my sense of humor, which just mortifies my husband a little bit sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we're asked to leave the table sometimes at dinner because we're just... Out of control, <laughs> and um, but they have they have they've you know they've in, they've inherited our work ethic, you know they they came from a again a very disturbing background in that regard. Um, their dad was kind of a shyster, and he would you know go in and and scam people for money. Um, and instead now I have some boys who. Um, who work really hard, and their employers always love them. Wow. And so proud of them for that. And wow. they've just, they've gotten a whole new, yeah, they've, they've, they've come yeah. out, they, they're Kirshner's. Yeah,
0: <laughs> some of the words that Jen shared with me is they know um, how to interact with people, which they didn't know before. They have trust, confidence, and they even look like you guys. They do. <laughs> Can't we put those pictures up, hon?
1: Huh? Yeah, the, the pictures that um, the first one is, this is our oldest son, and this was when um, these pictures were taken by the state. These are old pictures, obviously, other than the and then this is his senior picture. And I, I was telling Cindy, I'm not sure this is the perfect one, but the one thing we saw in all their pictures when they, we first got them is just that the smile was not real. Now Michael, Michael's a little on the spectrum so his smiles still not completely natural, but their smiles were just empty. Mm-hmm. Their eyes were just empty. Um they they weren't engaging. And, this and now they senior, are. Yeah, now they are. This is Michael. And then this is William. This is one of the twins and um yeah, and he's a character um full of it, but yeah, and again, this is this, these pictures just we felt like showed how. And there's Paul. Yeah, they can look black, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, they probably wouldn't be excited to hear that. But um, they are. The twins are 18, and Michael is 22. And go ahead and go to and, the next picture, Ken. Yeah, and see even here, this was their first Thanksgiving with us. And they, we, we didn't have them full-time. They just got to come home with us for that weekend. And they were still in foster care. And you can still see that just, you know, they were not happy. This is last year at Easter. And, again, you can just see as they're slowly, they, they've jumped right in. And they are, they are uncles. They, um, our daughter has three kids. And they um, came to live with us just after our oldest granddaughter was born. And our grandkids have never known life without them. So they are aunt and uncle to them. And awesome. they are very much loved. Um, I, have, I have pictures of one of them doing nail polish
0: with a granddaughter. Uh-huh. And
1: <laughs> I have all kinds of crazy pictures. They're just, they yeah. are family. Awesome.
0: They're no different And then, than, and then Joe, um, one of the last things you shared with me when we were on the phone was you said about, about the kids... You, everybody always thinks that the kids are blessed in an adoption, but what did you tell me?
2: Yeah, and, and I think God's blessed them, don't, don't get me wrong, but um, what it turns out to be is God blessed us with them. Yes. The real story is we got to relive all kinds of childhood or younger days, places, relationships, football practices all over again. I mean, they're a blessing to, when, when you adopt a child, they're actually God's got to figure it out where he's actually blessing you, yeah. and it's not so much a blessing yes. to them.
1: You know, it goes back to though what that yeah. says about us as God's children, you know mm-hmm. that, that how much he loves us yes. and how significant we yes. are to him. Yes. and he, he had it all planned long yes. before it was all predestined. Yes.
0: But, um, and it brings him great pleasure. It does. Yeah. We, we, we bring, bring him, him pleasure.
1: pleasure. And, yes. you know, my kids sometimes frustrate me, <laughs> but I love them and they bring me pleasure. And I just think, Amen. wow. And back to how much more God loves us and how much more we yes. mean to him and how much more pleasure we bring him. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you. Thank you, you guys.
0: Thank you, thank you. That was beautiful. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? So this morning as I was praying, and I just want you to just kind of meditate with me for just a second, and then we're going to go into corporate prayer. As I was meditating this morning on on who I am as a child of God, who I am, how God... Chose to send his son Jesus to make the way for me to be adopted into his family. How he planned in advance and it gave him great pleasure. How he legally made the way for us to be adopted into his family. How he legally made the way for the price to be paid for us to be redeemed. How he purchased for us our inheritance and that we are co-heirs with Christ himself. Jesus, the son of God, we are co-heirs. All that he has, all that he is, God sees us through Jesus. That he joined the spirit of God with us, the spirit of Jesus in our heart, in our spirit, that we are connected, that Jesus is in us, and that the love that Jesus has for Father just rises up in us and, and um, uh, confirms, affirms in us, in me, in you, that we are enfolded in the family of God, just like Jen and Joe's kids are enmeshed, immersed in the Kirshner family forever more, forever more. That's who we are in the family of God. And that God did so much more than just the legal part of it. Yeah, he did a lot legally. He had to. Because he is a God of justice. But he chose to pull us out of one family and bring us into another and not leave us like we were. Jen and Joe didn't leave their kids like they were. They started to love them to life. They loved them into healing, into wholeness, into knowing that they were accepted. And that's what God has done for us. He loved us to the fullness of life. We weren't perfect. We were far from perfect. Jen's and Joe's kids were a mess. So were we. But God saw the potential. He saw the gifts. We, he valued us so greatly. And it just blessed him to dream with us. To, it blesses him. It's not past tense. It blesses him to dream with us, to, to stir our hearts up, and to, to help us to, to step into whatever it is that he's, he's blessed us with or he's called us into. Our daddy's so proud of us. Just as Jen and Joe are pouring out their pride for those boys, that's what Father God's doing for you. He's so proud of you. Jeanette and Eileen, he's so proud of you. Mary Lou, Barb, he's so proud of you. And every one of you, by name, he is so proud proud of you he's an awesome daddy so father we just stand in this place right now of awe father I pray from the very depth of my being that we believe we are who you say we are and we step into that role of sons and daughters and we let you father us we let you nurture us We let you provide for us. We let you take care of us. We let you be strong for us. We let you go to battle for us. We let you take care of us. We receive it, God. I just declare it. I declare it for me, and I declare it for this body. We receive, God. We receive what you've gifted us. You didn't die in vain. You didn't do this plan, this amazing plan, in vain. We receive it, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen.